Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I am pleased to introduce you today to Dr. Laura Schwint. Dr. Schwint is a retired dentist on a mission to help other women dentists enjoy a more balanced life so that they can avoid burnout. She practiced for 21 years and ran her own solo practice for the last 10 years. During the height of her career, she suffered a major bout of burnout and it nearly destroyed her practice, her family, and her health. Miraculously, she was introduced to a coach who led her on a path of self-care and self-discovery. She saved her own life and woke up with a level of health that she had ignored most of her life. Using the same principles she learned in her personal life, she transformed her practice into a healthier, more holistic, more balanced dental home. Around the same time, a shocking medical diagnosis in her oldest son urged her to start living a more balanced life. Then three years ago, her husband had a medical emergency and spent time in the hospital fighting for his life. After her husband recovered, she began to completely rethink and redesign her life. After much careful thought and consideration, they decided to sell her practice and they moved their family to the mountains. It is now her goal to help other women dentists balance motherhood and professional life while avoiding burnout. It is indeed my pleasure now to bring you to the interview that I have shared with Dr. Laura Schwint. Laura, it's really, really exciting to have you with me on the show today. I am so excited to start talking to you. We don't know each other at all. However, when I did read your story, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to have her on the show. No wonder this, our mutual friend, Mark LeBlanc, wanted us to meet because you, were, you really have a fascinating story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got into dentistry, and then what has transpired in your career to get you to where you are today? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And I love your passion for women in dentistry. So I can't even tell you how wonderful it is to see this positive force out in the world that you are providing. So you're right, we don't know each other. But when I read your bio, it's just really funny that we had a very similar experience in high school. Oh, goodness. What was that? (laughs) Well, I read that you had a guidance counselor that encouraged you to be a hygienist and not a dentist. Mm -hmm. And I had a guidance counselor that encouraged me when I said I wanted to be a dentist, he encouraged me to be a secretary. (laughs) Okay. So we got to share stories. Was your male? Mine was a male. Mine was a male. Okay. And how many years ago on about average was this? 30 some years ago. <laughs> okay, mine is close to 40. So I'm a little bit older than you. But but isn't that amazing that that time frame still elapsed and guys were still telling women, no, you should be the secretary. Right, right. And it was interesting because I, I had nothing but science classes in my background straight A's took all the advanced classes. And so that was really interesting to me. And I thought, yeah, no, I'm going to keep on my path, sir. Good for you. So you you had a choice, right? That I call that my defining moment. You had a choice. You could listen to this guy tell you what you should be doing, or you can make your own decision and say, no, I'm not going to do that because I know the difference between a hygienist and a dentist. And I want to be the dentist. 
I, I, I want to be the dentist and I'm not going to have you tell me that I can't be. So good for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I went, you know, one of my other wonderful mentors is my dad. He was a dentist. Awesome. So that was, I, I got to see how happy he was. He enjoyed his career. He loved his patients. He loved what he did. And so I knew that that was a piece of what I wanted in my life. I wanted to be happy like him and enjoy something as long as he did. And so I, I kept it a secret from him though. I didn't know. Really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to disappoint him. And so I went through college and I decided to take the dental admissions test and I didn't tell him. <laughs> and when I got the test back, I had scored well, and that's when I told them. Oh my gosh, so we share that experience as well. Oh, you're kidding. No, so I had gone to hygiene school, that's another story for another day, instead of, of right to dental school. And I had a daughter, I got married and, and settled down and had a daughter. And when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to have any more children, I said, you know what? forget it. I should just go to dental school. I've always wanted to go. I should just do it. Well, I never told anyone. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell my parents. I told no one. I took the DATs on a Saturday. I made up some whammy excuse not to do something and made my husband take care of our daughter and took the exam. Never told anybody. Sent in both my applications. I didn't even know if I was going to do well enough to get in. I figured no harm, no fall. I won't tell anybody. I'll just do it. Got accepted to both the schools. I went, oh my God, now I have to tell somebody. <laughs> so it was an amazing experience. And the one person I was worried about was my dad. Because, you know, with a five-year-old child, you know, my expectation was my parents would be really disappointed if I left my daughter at home or, you know, being cared for by somebody else. So it was right before Thanksgiving and I went home for Thanksgiving. We were having Thanksgiving dinner and after we were sitting down having dessert and coffee and I said, okay, I have an announcement to make. And fortunately I had told my husband, so he wasn't caught off guard. But so I told everyone and I looked right at my dad waiting for his response. And he said, well, it's about time already. You've been talking about this since you were a little girl. He said, good for you. And I was blown away. And I'm, that was it for me. I, I, that was the end of all the angst. And I said, okay, this is where I'm meant to be. I, I, it's all good. It's all going to be good. But let's get back to you. So tell us a little bit about your college. You went right to college and then you applied. Mm -hmm. And I applied to one school. It was my dad's alma mater, which was the University of Minnesota. Wow. And I was accepted. And so down the road we went. That was the beginning. And had a, a four-year experience of dental school, which uh, we can get into a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> and then um, worked in several different job settings. My husband is a physician, so he was doing residency and fellowships, trainings, and that sort of thing. So we needed to move around while he did that. So I worked as an associate I worked in a big group practice. I worked in a smaller group practice. And during those times, I really kind of took in a lot of what I liked and the ways that I enjoyed practicing. And then I also really took in the things that I didn't like. And, and it shaped who I wanted to be and how I wanted to practice. 
And then fortunately, my husband and I moved to my hometown. My mom was sick at the time and we thought it would be a good thing to move close to her. And I was able to, uh, after waiting out a covenant not to compete of 18 months, I was able to finally open my dream practice. Oh, awesome. It was wonderful. It was a very, uh, it was my dream come true, but it was also incredibly hard. Uh, did you start it from scratch? Started it from scratch. Yeah, I went down the same path and it is hard. It's really hard. And you have to have your ducks in a row and understand business and cash flow because you know there are many times and i'm sure that you might share the same but there were many times when the only person getting paid was your staff and not you so you've had enough to cover the bills and and basically that was it and you went like this every day <laughs> yes yes there was there was a lot of that there was a lot of very happy times but also a lot of yeah, definitely stressful. And they don't teach you any of that stuff in dental school. So that was, and that was one thing that I didn't even think about picking up when I was working in these different practices. I was focused on the technical piece of it the and the staff piece of it, the team piece. That was a big piece of it for me. But I didn't really play into like the bookkeeping and the accounting and the business aspects. So I think that that if I had any advice to give another female dentist, you'd be pay attention to that stuff when you're working for someone else. Ask questions. Absolutely, because it isn't something that's innate to us. And I, I find that women in general, if they don't have a mom that might be in business or a leadership figure, yeah, many dads are in business and sons tend to pick those things up. But daughters don't always necessarily pick up what their dads are doing. And I do think it's critically important that young women pay attention to that because there's so many, and I think dads should be sharing that information with their daughters so that they're much better versed at the business side of life. I think that's one of our biggest failures in our model of society that we have. I mean, to think that we don't even teach basic accounting in school makes absolutely no sense to me. I agree. People don't know how to do a budget, you know, and profit and loss statement. In fact, you know, I believe I made probably every single mistake possible when I, when I started my practice. So, you know, I'm pretty adamant that the students have to understand that business side of things. Yes, yes, I think you're right. And I think that that's one of the best ways to learn is, you know, when you make a mistake, you learn. And then the best thing that you can do from that is to give that knowledge to other people. Because I think that, you know, that way you can move the needle forward for someone quicker. They don't have to make those same mistakes. And so that is that is a big passion of mine too, sharing your mistakes, which is a huge piece of vulnerability. That is a really scary thing to do. And they don't really teach that in dental school either. And so I think that that is super critical that you form relationships with people that will be open and honest with you so that you can be open and honest because that's the only way that you continue to fall forward and and succeed mm -hmm. i agree i agree so tell us where you are today in your your practice yeah so i ran my practice my solo practice for about 10 years and i about halfway through that started suffering from dental burnout or burnout 
And I didn't realize it. I just thought it was normal. You know, I was working lots of hours. I had three small children. My husband traveled a lot for work and just putting in a lot of time trying to build the practice, keep it going, do community events, activities with the kids, my, my own physical fitness, if you would. And I started to just really close off. I started to not enjoy the things I used to enjoy. I was extremely exhausted. I was started to become cynical and even non-caring a little bit, which is totally not my personality. And I didn't, I just didn't feel good. And I thought it was just, I'm getting old. This is what happens when you get old. You hear so many, especially women with hormones and things. And this is just the process of getting old. And so I didn't really understand that that was happening to me. And right around this time, my oldest son was diagnosed with a genetic disorder. And it's a pretty serious genetic disorder. When we first found out, we thought he'd need open heart surgery. He was 13 at the time. And um, my husband and I started really kind of talking about quality of life. And he said, you have got to get off this treadmill. You are on a treadmill and it's really not healthy for our family. But I didn't know how. I mean, I, I had opened a practice. I was the only dentist in the practice. How do you how do you cut your hours? How do you slow down? So I didn't know how, and, I, and it didn't really hit home with me. So we just kept going. But fortunately, I found a coach. And the first thing she did with me was take me down a road of self-discovery and self-care. She said that you need to find yourself again. You've lost yourself. And so she formulated a plan for me. It was a simple morning routine. And she kept me accountable and she made me do this morning routine. And I started to see a difference in myself. And I started to feel alive again and like joyful and happy. And I knew at that moment that this was sort of the secret sauce. This was something special. And I thought, I need to take this into my practice. I need to bring this quality into my practice. And that's really when I started to switch things up and become a more holistic practice. And that was then the next phase of my practice. And it was much more enjoyable. We had much more fun. During this transition time, I actually lost every single one of my staff members. <gasps> well, that, they say that happens when you grow and others don't grow with you. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I want to go back to this topic, but I want you to keep going. Okay. So that was, that was a real low point for me, but hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it taught me a lot about myself. Like I realized that I needed to be a better leader. And so, and that was, had I not done that self-discovery, I probably would have blamed others but I needed to take the responsibility for it, you know? And so that was, that was a, a beautiful transition for me as well. But then we built this, you know, this beautiful holistic practice and we were having fun and it was, it was better. And at that moment, my husband ended up needing emergency heart surgery because he, we found out with the genetics, he had the same issue. 
and so his aorta was dangerously wide and needed to be replaced. And that was then sort of the time when I really decided that, okay, I need to do something different. I need to focus on family. And we had long conversations. I mean, it was, there was a dark period there where before his surgery, where we were preparing for the worst hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst, getting our estate in order. And he was filming videos for the kids and for me. And so it was kind of a crazy time. And after he got out of it and months of, of talks, we decided that we wanted to move to the mountains. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I put my practice up for sale and we moved west. And where did you guys end up? We're in Oregon. We're in central Oregon. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so you're not practicing anymore. So I'm not practicing anymore. And kind of came here and had that fork in the road where you decide, what are you going to do? And I knew at that point, I didn't want to open a, new, a practice of my own. I didn't know that I, if I wanted to work for somebody else. And I did some soul searching. It was a beautiful time that I was able to do some soul searching. And it came to me through self, self-discovery, morning routine, practicing those, you know, journaling and meditation. It came to me that I want to take what I've learned and help women dentists. So that's my new passion is helping women dentists so that they can practice, be mothers, and not go through burnout. What an amazing story. That is just so awesome. And to think that we were just connected by an outside source and you're right up the alley that I am trying to go with for inspiring our young women to, to take ownership of their lives and take ownership of what they want to do with their lives and not feel like they're trapped because there's so many other options in the world for them to be doing. And they don't have to work five, five days a week and a million hours a, a day. And they can have a family and balance everything. In fact, the entire time I practice, I never practice more than three or four days a week. I would take one day if I had a big case and that was all I would do. And it's just that one big case because I'm one of those people that love to concentrate. And when I get in the the flow, I call it my flow. When I get in the flow, I want to be listening to my music and concentrating and focusing. My whole world ex exists in those little one-inch circles, you know, and I don't want anybody interrupting that. I don't want staff to be there. I want my assistant and I to just be in our, in our spot. And we had a great routine for that, but three days a week is all I ever worked because I just felt like I needed to balance my time I gave up so much time with my daughter when, when she was in from kindergarten, her first day of kindergarten, my first day of dental school, the same day. So I gave up all those four years of time while she was growing. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I have to give it back to her. I have to do everything I possibly can between now and when she graduates in order to get her off on the right track. So I'd love to hear more about your morning routine first. But I have a million and one questions. So we may not even go through my list of questions today. I have a million and one, but I'd love to hear about your morning routine because that sounds fascinating to me. What is it that turned your life around so dramatically that you're now happier than you've ever been? 
Yeah, you know, it was really simple in that she really advocated that I take time for myself, quiet time, not scrolling, not listening to anything, but quiet time where I could start hearing my own voice again. And so she said, 15 minutes, you start with 15 minutes in the morning. I want you to do one thing. I want you to either meditate or journal. You pick one or the other. And so I started with meditation and I just did the Calm app, guided meditation. And I just realized after those 15 minutes, I just felt so much more at peace. Like I didn't wake up with that that rat race feeling of getting on the hamster wheel and running right from the start. And it just, it was very peaceful. And I went into the rest of the day, it spilled over. It was very peaceful. And once I kind of got through that, then she really encouraged me to start journaling. She said, you need to get your, the stuff in your head down on paper. And at first, I, I mean, I remember taking out a journal. It was a beautiful journal and a pen. And I had no idea what to write. And so our next call, I said, I don't know what to write. I just sit at the stare at the blank page. And so she gave me some journal prompts to start writing with. And it just started flowing. And then pretty soon I was able to just put things down. And so now that's a huge part of my day. And a lot of my ideas come from that. A lot of my self-reflection, like, oh, you know, if you look back at some of your journal entries, you're just like, I was working through that and I got through it. And wow, look at that. Good job, right? And and so those two things for sure I always do. And then visualization. I think visualization is a is an underrated boon that if people did regularly, they could change their lives. And I brought visualization into our practice, into our morning huddle. Good for you. Yes. That was one thing that I really stressed with my team was trying to visualize their perfect day. Visualize their patients having wonderful procedures, being happy, being healthy. And then we would pick one person that we, in our head, that we were going to focus on all day. And, and it was just a wonderful way to, to change up how we talked about the morning and, and how the day was going to go. Wow. What a great routine. We do, um, do you know Dr. Christina Paston? Yes. You do know the name? Yes. So she's, she's a colleague of mine. And actually, she was my very first interview for the podcast. And her wellness program is the first wellness program at a dental school in the country. And she's now had five classes that have graduated. And I will tell you that I have a study group that I, I started with my students is, you know, especially during this time that, you know, they needed something to focus on other than, you know, raised that they can't get back into school. And so one of the things I did was, you know, brought up a couple of times, the students have said in conversation, oh, you know, I'm doing my mindfulness training. And I think, wow, that is just so awesome to see so many young people understand how important that is. I mean, that it's critically important to be mindful. 
and I have not been one to meditate on a regular basis. I start, I stop, I start, I stop. I done, you know, the training for transcendental meditation, but I, in the last two weeks have committed to at least once a day, I'm trying to do it twice a day, morning and at nighttime before I go to bed and just visualize what, what I want next you know, in my life and everything is fine. Uh, you know, I'm not worried about COVID-19, but the amount of transformation that it makes in your life is amazing. It is. It's really amazing. And I think that especially as women, we're, we're so nurturing. We take care of everybody else. And then we're in the, the health profession where that's our job is to take care of everyone else, put everyone else first, right? But then we lose the ability to do that because we aren't taking care of ourselves. Right, right. So I want to go back to, you know, one of the struggles that a lot of women have, it doesn't matter if you're a dentist in dentistry or a hygienist or assistant or front desk or whatever role that you have in dentistry is the care of our patients. I mean, care of our parents. And you know, you mentioned early on that you moved home to Minnesota to take care of your mom when she was ill. I just expand a little bit on that, how that kind of disrupts our flow in life. However, we do feel like it's, I did the same thing for my parents. I do feel like we're responsible, right? And that, that it's not that we want to make a different choice, but we don't have a different choice because you know, they took care of us our whole lives. It's time for us to take care of them. Right. Right. Yeah. That was an interesting time because my kids were little, they were five, three and one when she passed away. So it was one of those times in life where, boy, it was just crazy. And it was emotional. It's probably something that I am still working through, you know, because she was my best friend. I, I miss her every day. And so that is something that I think every, you know, it's sort of like there's things in life everybody should experience. I think everybody should experience taking care of a parent because it teaches you so much about just humility and love and what's really important in life. And it comes down to relationships, you know, that's all that really matters. I couldn't agree with you more. It truly is all that matters in life. And if you don't have balance in that area of your life, um, you know, I teach on five pillars. One is financial, one's health, wealth, family, and the spirit. And, you know, the family piece, so many of us neglect that side of things. For example, and you feel guilty about it. You know, I can tell you that one of the things that my daughter remembers all the time being a little girl in school, third grade, fourth grade, is my mom forgot me again. Can somebody please come pick me up? So, you know, I lived with that and no, but you know, in reality, she was fine. You know, she just knew that I was working and I got tied up with a patient and all of that sort of stuff. I didn't forget about her personally, but I think we manage that guilt in different ways and where, you know, I could make up for it in other ways, you know, just by being with her at different days of the week and doing some special things that we created. I think we have to think about that. You know, we can't feel guilty about every single little thing. I mean, the guilt that we feel is, it's just a waste of energy, I think. Right. I think that one of the 
best lesson she taught me was you do the best with what you have in the moment. And that's all you can do. And once that moment's gone, you have to let it go. So, you know, she, she was a big proponent of this too shall pass. Without a doubt. And, you know, and then this is an interesting story, but uh, I did a breathing workshop, deep breathing workshop with my husband last fall. And at the end of it, she came and spoke to me. I felt her presence. And I, I remember just sobbing because I just missed her so much. And she said, she said again, and I heard it in my, in my head, this too shall pass if you let it. And I just thought that was just beautiful. It's just like, you're right. We can't hold on to guilt. We do the best in the moment that we know how. And then the moment passes and we need to let it go. Without a doubt. Now, I'm doing a little bit of reading. I was turned on to a book called The Biology of Belief. I don't know if you've ever read oh, I've that heard book. heard of it. Yes. Awesome book. Epigenetics and the impact on our lives from our surroundings is fascinating. I had no idea about it. And here I've been in the science field, just like you for many, many years. And the impact that it has genetically on us, the, the one thing that they did say was that, you know, they expected the, the DNA project when they were mapping the DNA molecules and, and, you know, all of the proteins that make up the DNA, they figured they'd have 250,000 pieces of DNA when they factored in all of the components in the different ways that they could interact. Sure enough, there was only like 25,000 and they couldn't figure out where the rest of the combinations were coming from. The rest of the combinations come from epigenetics and the surroundings that we're brought up in. So more than ever, I think that people need to pay attention to what they say, how they say it, their thoughts that go on in between there. You know, the mo, a friend of mine calls it mo and schmo. You know, you gotta get rid of mo and schmo. They have no room in your life for, with you because they do no service. You've got to figure out how to manage that. I don't know if you've figured out any coping me mechanisms for that, but would love to hear it if, if you have. Yeah, it's one of those things that the morning routine, for instance, you can have a great morning routine, but if you put that on the shelf and then just go back to life as normal for the rest of your day, that morning routine isn't very effective. And same with the self-talk in our head. We can do mantras. We can do I am statements. We can write a note in the mirror that we see when we get ready in the morning. But if the rest of your day, you're letting those other mo and schmo comments come in, you're sort of eliminating all that good work. And so I think of it as exercise. You know, we, we don't go to the gym and work out just to come home and eat donuts all day. You know, I mean, yes, a donut treat every now and then is fine and dandy, but, and so the mindset work and the voices and the morning routine, it really needs to carry throughout the day. And the more that you can remind yourself to do that, the better that morning routine, the more effective it is. So you think of yourself as going to the gym and having a great workout every day as opposed to a mediocre one. You're going to see better results. 
Amazing, amazing. So is there anything else that your coach has taught you that you can share with the women and maybe that might help them a little bit? You know, I don't, I want to make sure that we leave enough time to talk about confidence because I find, as I've shared with you, that confidence is something that I see is lacking in many young women. And, and I don't know if you have any stories about whether or not when you were a child, you were confident just because, you know, you were smart that tends to, to have more weight with people when you're little and you, you realize that you're smart, but then, you know, some women that don't realize they're smart and only hear the mo and schmo constantly as a little girl, that feeling of imposter syndrome or not ever feeling good enough, which is part of the feelings that I grew up with when I was little, can affect your confidence. Is there a time in your life that you can reflect back that we always a confident young woman. Yes, you know, I think I was very confident until dental school. I think dental school was really a tough place to be. Really? Mhm. I think that you uh, for me, you know, I was I, I did well in high school. I was top of my class. I did well in college and things came easily for me. And dental school was a whole new landscape. It was hard. And there were people that were way smarter than me <laughs> and much better than me. And so it, it really leveled the playing field somewhat. And then similar to what you said, we did not have a lot of female role models in our dental school. Now our class was, there was a lot of female in our, females in our class, but our role models, there was not, there was one full-time faculty that was female. And I think there was one part-time faculty that came one day a week for clinic. And other than that, we mostly had, you know, otherwise men. And so, and they just teach differently and they expect different reactions. You know, obviously you don't show your feelings. You don't show your emotions, right? And, and I'm a very feeling, touchy-feely, emotional person. And so that was really hard for me to not show that, to know that I had to put on this persona of strength and confidence all the time when on the inside I was, you know, shaking in my boots. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was tough for me. And I think that the best thing that I could recommend is finding a good mentor because that there was one and it was a man, but he was a genuine mentor. He cared about us as people, not us as dental students or dentists. He was developing, he's like a good coach, you know, the coach that doesn't care. Well, they care if the team wins and they care if you are a good athlete, but what they really care about is if you come out a better person and, you know, without him, and then the one female faculty that we had without her, I, I don't think, I think my confidence would have been zero after dental school, but they helped. And so I knew to seek out those type of people after dental school. I knew I always needed a mentor. I always needed somebody that I could talk to one-on-one -on -one and feel confident that I could share what I was going through. Wow, that's great. Great advice. I totally agree with the mentoring position. I, th I think that it's critically important that we all have mentors. I was very fortunate also when I was younger that 
I had several people even in high school that mentored me and said, no, you can do this. Yeah, you just keep going. You can do this. And so I did, which really helped me. Taking a different line of questioning, what's the single piece, best piece of advice you ever received and from who? What was it and, and from who? Yes, I think I would go back to my very first, I call her my coach. I had several mentors, but this, she was more of a life coach. And she just encouraged me to do things that's, that I was scared of. Mm. And it sort of became a normal thing. She pushed me to constantly do things that scared me. And it just, each call, it got a little easier. It got a little easier. You know, the very first few times I'd look at my notes and be like, there's no way. <laughs> but I think that that is a wonderful piece of advice. And I think it's one of the best confidence boosters that you can, can do is always pushing yourself to do things that scare you. Because then you look back and you say, well, I got through that. And I know I can get through this next hoop. And so... I think that that, and it goes with all pieces of life. It can go with dentistry. You know, she pushed me to take a a hands-on course where I had to transport my patients four hours to, you know, do dental work on them in an environment that wasn't my office. That was like mortifying for me. It was so intimidating, but I did it and it was the best experience of my life and my patients loved it. Well, because you weren't in control, right? Isn't that, that's another thing I find for us women. We have to be in control of everything. And that is part of our downfall because there are so many things we cannot control. You know, your house not being clean. Okay, no big deal. Don't worry about it. But we have to have it clean, right? The kids have to have everything done for them. The grades have to be good. The school lunches have to be done. Blah, 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 blah. They will survive if we don't make them lunch one day. Give them 50 cents or a buck, whatever it costs today, you know, and they will survive. You know, one day is not going to make a big difference. I think that we have to give ourselves permission to be human. We keep thinking that we're super women and that we're walking around like this all the time. And that's great for, you know, getting your, your persona, you know, geared up to do something big, but in everyday life, we don't have to be superwoman. We really don't. Yes. And I think that that's, that's a beautiful thing to talk about. I it, Finding women that will be vulnerable and talk with each other about this, because that's another piece of it that so many women get tied into groups where they don't really share. Maybe they complain a little bit, but they don't really share. Because again, it may look like you are weak. It may look like you don't have it all together. And we've been brought up to show that we have it all together. And we are, you know, doing, I mean, we're, we're top achievers. We're usually type A personalities. We've been striving all our life, achieving. And so to sit down with someone and say, I don't have it all together is really scary. But when you do that, it's amazing what you find out about yourself. And it's even better when someone feels comfortable to bring that to you. Well, and I think that we're so much more powerful than we ever expect ourselves to be. 
And that energy is there. It's just a matter of choosing to use it or not. You know, that obviously the level of confidence brings up that level of energy and you can choose to, to use it. But so many women just don't use, don't know their own potential. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's valuable to talk with someone that's just there to talk about you. And so sometimes that's not a friend because you spend a half hour talking about the kids and, you know, other acquaintances or your redecorating project or whatever, and you never get to the, the meat. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's time to go. And we never really got to the conversation. Any meaty conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes finding that mentor or that coach where right from the start, they want to start talking to you about you. So tell me what helped you the most to get to where you are today? What do you think? The, the coach, going back to the coach again, is that the single most important thing that happened? I think that was a a pivotal life-changing moment. I think that if I had not found her, and and I do believe that, you know, people come into our lives right when we need them. And so um, she found me for a reason. And that really just changed my complete mindset. I think now I, I, if I had been able to do this much earlier in my life, where would I be now? Right? Can't look back though. I know, but, and so I'm excited for what, you know, what the future holds for sure. And yeah, like I said, it's just passion to, to help others find this, but that, and I think the, the whole medical thing with our family really highlighted again, what's most important. And that is relationships and not waiting to do things. I mean, when you, when you want to do something, you can't guarantee you can't guarantee that it'll be there when you retire or it'll be there 10 years from now and so sometimes you have to be bold and it's scary it's really scary but you have to be bold and take bold decisions and sometimes you know they may be the wrong decision and you learn and you do something else so absolutely absolutely so as far as the impact on your life Everything has had a domino effect from this coach, this one coaching call. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Wow. It is. And she was so good in the sense that she just started so small with me. It wasn't, you know, it was just start right here, do this, and we'll talk next time. Isn't that amazing? And so did you talk with her once a week, once a month? How did you connect? It was about every seven to 10 days for a year. Wow. And I tell you what, there was every single time before the call, I did not want to get on the call. And every single time at the end of the call, I was usually in tears and so grateful. I just couldn't believe what had happened in that short little phone call. Well, it's funny that you should say that because I think everybody feels the same way when they go to the gym, when we used to be able to go to the gym. Everybody feels the same way. Oh, I don't want to go. I don't want, oh, thank God I went because I feel so much better now, right? Mm -hmm. Right. We don't realize that endorphin and hormone level that changes when we do something that makes us happy because, Mm -hmm. you know, it does have an effect on our hormones and we do get more of that serotonin that kicks in when we are happy. So life is too short to be miserable, really. I just couldn't say that more strongly. It's just too short to be miserable. 
Right. And that's the other piece of it is that it's not a sign of weakness to have someone that you need to talk to. I think that that is super critical for everyone to know that it it's a part of life and it's normal and they see things you don't see because you're just caught up in it. It's just swirling around in your head. And so I think it's just a beautiful thing. Again, it goes back to relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there been a moment in time, an aha moment where you realize you're exactly where you're supposed to be? You know, it's interesting. I have so many of those. It, wow. Yeah, it sometimes scares me a little. <laughs> Moving to the mountains, uh, when we go hiking, I get so such inspiration. So many, I feel connected to the universe, to to the higher power, to God, whatever you, you know, you subscribe to, I feel connected and I get answers, like things pop into my head. And so I have these aha moments and I know that I was meant to, to move here. I know that. And even though that was a really scary transition, it has proven itself over and over with the people I have met and the situations I have found myself in. So that's definitely an aha moment. I was talking with a colleague. She's much, much younger than me, just starting her family and just about to start her practice. And she was just describing what she was going through, some of the emotions and things that were happening in her life. And I saw myself in her. And I'm going to, I hope I don't cry, but um, it's okay if you do. I knew at that moment that I wanted to stay connected with her because I want, I want to mentor her. I want to make sure that she takes care of herself because it's so easy to just get caught up in it all. And I'm so, I love hearing that you took, you know, days off. You only practice three days a week because again, we're such achievers and such pushers. We push ourselves to always do more, do more, do more. And that's sort of what happened in my practice. It just ballooned and snowballed into this, this beast that it was too much to handle. And so I just encourage other women to listen to themselves like that, that you need those days. You need those days. Without a doubt. And I think that heading into a private practice now, I think women should find each other and support each other because I think two and a half days a week, for each one of them to do in a practice is more than enough. And you just choose what works best for you and your family and you can do, do it all. And at some point, if you want to go full time, you choose to do that. But right in the beginning, when you're, you're trying to balance your, and I don't think it's copping out on anything. I think that we're trying to be good moms, good professionals, and give our best. And the only way to give your best is if you allow yourself the opportunity to do what you need for you. And you, you have been saying it the entire time. I, I love, love, love what you've been doing with your life. I think it's outstanding. Well, I think too, I mean, just the physicality of it. If you are working five days a week, the physicality of it will catch up to you. I mean, if you take everything out of the picture, that in and of itself will catch up to you. And that is going to affect your quality of life. Mentally too. Mentally too. Because that's a lot, you know, patients are not always easy to deal with, right? Yep. So true. Yeah. And that mental energy is really 
that takes a lot out of you. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I want to to just let everybody know where they can get in touch with you because I do know that you're reaching out to young women and you are providing some coaching services to help them get through anything that they might be going through and who better to teach it than somebody who's been there, done that. So I want them to make sure that they know where to find you. So where's the best place to find you? The absolute best place to find me is to look me up on Facebook. If you find me on my profile, it will point you into my private group. I have a private group for women dentists only. And that group is focused on balance. So just creating balance in all areas of your life. And it also supports a lot of what we're doing in dentistry. So there's a good mix there. And that is probably the best way to get a hold of me. And if you would like, uh, my email contact is there as well. Very good. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I think we have a lot more to talk about. And I'm going to end our conversation here. But I don't want you to go anywhere because I have a couple things that I want to share with you that I would love to see us do together as we move into the future. But it has been an unbelievable pleasure of mine to meet you and spend some time with you. I know this is not going to be the last time because I I feel a sincere connection to you as a person. And I think you're just wonderful. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all that you are doing. I would just have loved to have a person like you in my life when I was going through this. So I can't imagine how, what an effect you're having on these women dentists and kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.